Okay. Reed, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for he- being here, man. And uh, it's good to have you. Um, so we were just having a discussion just before we hit the record button that um, why did we start a podcast or who we are? We'll just give you like a bit intro on what we are. So my name is Herman and that's Dan. And uh, this podcast is called Game of Life, basically. And uh, we're, what's this, 12th episode? 11th. 11th, 11th episode? episode yeah. Beautiful. Okay. And uh, we do this every week. And the reason we started this, because I think we're very uh, curious people. I am a very, very curious person. And we just we just like to talk to people. And that's who we are. We work together. And one fine day, I just said, Dan, I wish I had a podcast. He found a studio and mm. said, let's start a podcast. And that's how we started our podcast. I love that. Yeah. This this has also helped with my anxiety because I'm not um, good at talking to strangers. Yeah. So this has really sort of relaxed me in a way because I do it with someone else as well, which... Harmon is very comfortable at asking questions, very natural at it, which sort of puts my mind at ease. So it's a great dynamic that we have. And I think we're both sort of creatives in our own ways. I'm passionate about comedy. Harmon's passionate about photography. And it's just sort of this is a great creative outlet for us. Awesome. So, again, thank you so much for agreeing to be here. No problem. good to have you. Great, thank you. So how would you describe yourself to someone who may not know who you are, um, I guess, I guess, I guess, in a professional sense, I would just describe myself as a uh, journalist, a TV mm-hmm. reporter, uh, who I've worked in the industry for ten years now. Um, so I kind of feel like it's a part of me, mm-hmm. definitely, and a, kind of a big part of my personality, uh, and a demanding job too mm-hmm. because it, the hours are long yeah. and and it's hard not to. And so many of my friends I've met working Mm. as well so it bleeds into social life a lot Mm. so professionally yeah journalist uh personally uh just uh, someone who uh uh, enjoys work and and loves uh loves living in melbourne Mm. and and having a good time with mates and going away and traveling Mm -hmm. and all of that sort of stuff so yeah that's kind of it yeah Mm. yeah how how would you describe what you do is it a typical nine to five? No, it's it's uh, nine to five would be uh, luxurious, yeah, amazing. Yeah, uh, it's it's a <clears throat> rostered system. So uh, depending on my roster that week, mm-hmm. it, will, it will be eight a.m. start mm-hmm. or seven a.m. start, yeah. maybe an eleven a.m. start mm-hmm. and a later finish to normally till around seven o'clock, which is our news bulletin goes to air at six o'clock. So uh, you kind of work up to to that and then kind of watch the product go to where and mm-hmm. and. Um, then you're out of there by 6.30, 6.45. Yeah. So it's uh, – mm. and, and and it's a – yeah, sometimes it's a, uh, you know, six-day week and then maybe three days off and or, or four-day week or whatever it is, but it's uh, a little bit all over the place. It's, mm. uh, and that's the that's the job for everyone, to any journalist. It's sort of like you – yeah, the hours are often long. The uh, You work public holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, you get six weeks annual leave, which is good, rather than four. Mm. So you get to go away and, and – do a big break in the, every year if you if you can, um, but yeah. So it's it's a little bit all over the place. The best the best um, the best thing about it, I think, always is and and when you kind of feel a bit down or run run down or um, burnt out, you sort of try and focus on the positives, and that is every single day is talking to people mm. and 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 meeting new people, and then being doing different things so you you, every day is it's a bit of a cliche Mm. but every day is literally different so you get going to work Mm. and you get sent to Achuka or you get sent Mm -hmm. to Craggyburn or wherever it is and and it's uh light and shade with the story so sometimes the stories are really happy and you have a really great day sometimes it's obviously really sad and serious and other days it's boring uh but it just every day it's is different same kind of you apply the same kind of uh structure like skills to that day so you're always mm-hmm. going to be interviewing you're always going to be thinking about how to best tell the story and, and and structure it and work out what vision works best with what and how do I write this but then the content is just different and it's mm. and it's that's amazing it's every single day you have no idea where you're going to end up yeah now, Reed, can I ask you to just be closer to the mic just like a like a fist away I mean, yeah that's right easy and so you said no say no day is similar to every day and 
Do you enjoy that aspect of your work? Because, yeah. I mean, every, I think human beings, something about consistency and repeatability, I, I don't think people like it. And since it's every day is different, do you like that aspect about your job? Yeah, absolutely. It's my definitely my favourite aspect yeah. of the job. And it, it just keeps, literally keeps things interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, it just just that variety um it's a little bit it can be hard sometimes because you're sort of like oh what am i because there, there, there isn't predictability mm. you, there's that fear sometimes that you're going to what if it's going to be a really crap day or yeah. what if something horrible has happened and you have to go and cover that and then you feel a bit down in the dumps for mm. maybe a couple of weeks afterwards depending on the kind of story you're, you're there or you know just depending on the the news of the day sometimes it's a yeah really nice heartwarming story and you feel really good and so it's kind of like it, part and parcel yeah yeah it's awesome mm. it's awesome it's such a good element of that job um and and i think the best if if i was going to recommend to someone who is thinking about becoming mm. a journalist that's easily the best best part about it it is so different and interesting and creative and 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 uh in that makes it enjoyable and out, outweighs the mm. negative aspects of it a lot of the time true um how did you get into this how did you start and i'm sure people who are thinking about journalists would want to know the, how did you start so i had a probably uh, quite a unique mm. uh way of getting into journalism i was i was sort of in uh late high school my mom was a journalist and a newspaper mm. and magazine journalist very different to tv but yeah. she uh you know i'd always found that sort of fascinating when she talked about it um, but I think I still didn't sort of have my heart set on it, I think until about year 10 and I was mm -hmm. doing work experience, uh, at a law firm in Sydney and in I, year 10, year 10. Yeah, wow. yeah. I was young for Beautiful. that. Yeah. But I just sort of was there and kind of was not my scene mm -hmm. at all. I thought this is a bit, um, this isn't interesting to me. Um, mm -hmm. but at lunch every day I would go, uh, and buy myself a sandwich or whatever. And I had to walk past the, the Channel 7 Martin Place studios where they do Sunrise. Yeah. Uh, and you can see through the window. And I just found mm. myself every day just staring through that window, just like like in, entranced yeah. by what I was seeing mm. inside. And I reckon that was when I started to think, okay, this is yeah. exciting for me, even though I was just like a loser looking through the windows. <laughs> that was my, I was like, this is ticking my boxes mm. um and yeah so since then since that 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 kind of stint when i was in sydney and i sort of discovered that that you know i got that little glimpse into the world of tv news i just became set on it so i was just it was, it was all i could think mm. about i was like obsessed and and i was hitting my mum up saying do you know anyone that you know from your old days you know working in the industry and she didn't and so i was sort of like how can i get into this and I ended up through a friend of a friend but who knew someone who worked at Channel 9 in Sydney, mm. I ended up, and I'd sent letters to all the networks. I said, um, you know, I'd love to do work experience. I'm in year 11 and and no one really got back to me. But then this friend of a friend ended up saying, yep, yeah, I can I can probably get you in mm. for some work experience in year 12 when I was in year 12 uh, at 9 News in Sydney. And I was like, okay, amazing. So I went there, did that, um, and it was just the most incredible mm. thing. It was two weeks and I thought this is just Oh, exactly what I want to do. The, part so of the learning was just yeah, 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 and it just felt like and you'd be in the newsroom and and get sent out to jobs and sort of do like go get people's coffees and all of those sorts of things. But it was just incredible. You were there watching these journo's who I like would watch on TV. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just working in a you know major metro newsroom and and going to really interesting stories and the people who were there were really encouraging in the nine nine news Sydney uh, Sydney newsroom and it was just amazing. And then I ended up basically pleading for more work experience mm -hmm. and I did another two weeks towards the end of year 12 mm. and I just, again, amazing. And um, and then I had my university uh, course sort of selected, which was uh, Charles Sturt University uh, for Journalism, which is a, mm. which I'd picked mm. because it was a lot of TV journos had gone there and had come out and, you know, were now quite like high profile and uh, mm. successful in the industry. So I was all set to go there and then at the end of my second round of work experience in year 12, um, they said, would you like to do a six-week cadetship um, oh. in Sydney? Mm. And I thought, okay, amazing. So I'll do this six-week paid cadetship um, for the six for that sort of break mm. before going to uni. Um, 
so I did that and it was a lot of kind of overnight, uh, really, really sort of like bad hours. I think it was 1am until 9am working on their overnight, uh, early mm. morning news and everything producing. Mm. And then um, at the end of that, they said, look, a job's opened up. Um, would you like to take that job as an associate producer working on that overnight, but a full-time job? Mm. So I ended up saying yes to that and didn't go to university in the end because oh. the the that's the job I would have wanted after three years. Mm. Of Either way. Yeah. And, yeah, and I ended up just sort mm. of in this crazy situation where I just wasn't going to uni after kind of mm. obsessing over that for years as well in high school just thinking I need to get a good ATAR and all of that. So I ended up, yeah, staying there and working and I did a few courses online like media law and things like that just to get my head around those sorts of things. But I've ended up just working full time from then on, and that was so I was eighteen, and yeah, been there, yeah, been eleven, been there eleven years or so. So haven't left, moved around a bit, but um, yeah, so it was a cool way to get into it, and I learned on the job, um, which was which was I think the best way mm. to do it. It was kind of like um, that's I, I don't know how what better way what what I could have learned in university about all of that sort of stuff that I couldn't learn, just actually doing on it every day. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah, doing it. Yeah, and it was it was awesome. It was such a – so it was really cool that Nine gave me that chance when I was 18. Like not a lot of people would mm. do that. I was yeah. like a literally a kid. It's and, very rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really – yeah, it's – I, I owe them a lot for that. Yeah, it was yeah. – yeah, I, I always say that. I was like what I was lucky, um, right place, right time, and, yeah, they took a chance and, yeah, hopefully it paid off for them. But I think you still had that fire as well because you don't get noticed if you don't have that. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, I, de- I would have been like probably quite mm-hmm. over the top and they could have told, they they would have known I was like mm. obsessed. Um, and it's funny, I, I think we see sometimes work experience kids come in now to our newsroom and they're just kind of not interested or they're not, yeah, not right. uh, they just sort of sit around. One actually fell asleep once in the newsroom <laughs> and all of that sort of stuff and you just sort of think far out like, this is the coolest opportunity. So maybe, maybe, um, yeah, maybe I just was a bit more enthusiastic and excited than a lot of other people that had in there. But, um, yeah, no, really cool. I think you've always been in that circle and you've always been in that uh, journalism uh, bubble and I think it was that force that drove you to that. Yeah. Do you, do you get much people uh, approaching you, um, asking you questions, uh, and uh, maybe met, asking you to be their mentor, or um, n- not? Not really. I think I love. I've had a few uh, colleagues over the years who who I, I've maybe worked somewhere for a bit longer mm-hmm. than they have, and they've started, and I really mm-hmm. like them. And then I just sort of find myself helping them. Uh, giving them a lot of advice and, and, uh, like I enjoy that. I enjoy that aspect of it. Like I like people asking me for help. Mm. Um, but, uh, and, and that's, and it's a really collaborative kind of workplace too. If you've got a, um, you know, problem with writer's block or you can't think of how best to approach a story, it's, there's mm. a couple of people you can always call, uh, who will be a second pair of eyes and ears and, and, and can help you best work out how to structure the story or, or script it or what to say in a piece to camera or whatever, whatever it is. Um, so we all end up kind of mentoring each other, I guess, and I'm probably not old enough yet to kind of be a, yeah, I'm, I'm still wanting to be mentored still yeah. uh, rather than having to, uh, to someone, yeah, yeah, mentor someone. But uh, I would be up for it if anyone if anyone ever has questions. Uh, you um, can reach uh, out. Yeah, seriously, yeah. Mm. I love, yeah, I love uh, giving advice and, oh. yeah. So what does a day look like in your everyday like? Yeah. So it's sort of like uh, it's you, you go into work, say you've got, like I mentioned before, the, you've got the your rostered start time. Mm-hmm. 50% of the time uh, I'll have kind of lined up my own stories perhaps mm-hmm. or, or I've sort of organised something myself and, and we'll kind of go and shoot that and, and um, interview people for that and pull that together. Do you get to pick and choose? Sorry. Yeah. Do you get to pick and choose um, their stories? A little, I, yeah, yeah. I like, I like um, it, sort of the, the role I've kind of settled in into the newsroom is is generating quite a few of my own stories, So, mm-hmm. so I, which I enjoy a lot because it's sort of like you see something, you're walking down the street or you're at the supermarket yeah. or something and you see something and you're like, oh, that's interesting or that could be a story and then I can just kind of, to make it into a story and make calls on it and my boss goes for it most of the time and mm. and it's kind of my own interests and um yeah and I like mm. I really like that but then the other 
the other half of the time or 60% of the time is you go in and you get told by your chief of staff in the mm. newsroom um, who'd been, who's been in there for hours earlier mm. than, you, than you, when you get in, um, they'll say to you, oh, there's been a, uh, a crash out on, you know, the Eastern Freeway yeah. or there's been a fire here or um, uh, the Daniel Andrews is, is doing a press conference at Box Hill at 10.30, we'll get mm. you to go there and that will yeah. be your story for the day. So it's kind of like there's, there's a lot of that. So you, mm. you just get told where to go and what to do. Mm. But I like kind of coming up with my own ideas a lot as well because that means that it eliminates the chance yeah. of getting a shit sandwich yeah. when you go in there and kind of uh, you get to do your own thing rather than go into something mm. that might yeah. be not as interesting or not a fun day because your whole day just hinges on what you do mm. because if it's a bad day, it's a, yeah, if it's a boring bad story or something, it's just sort of like takes the wind out of your sails pretty early. Mm. So you kind of like protect yourself by coming up with your own ideas mm. and getting to pursue kind of, your own things that interest you but it's also nice to just be told what to do as well sometimes just mm -hmm. go in and go and do it and come back and yeah i think everyone every person who's creative does like and enjoy the part bit of freedom where they can do their yes. thing as well yeah and also have a bit of structure as well because yeah. you you can't be total chaos you, you can't be total order as well yeah okay so what has been your favorite story that you've covered um oh, that's it what was your highlight stories like yeah i've had a lot of yeah there's a lot of different kind of um, highlights, I think. When I when I was working at A Current Affair, um, we did a lot of stories where people were in uh, kind of distress or financial problems, or that you know the bank was trying to take their house for whatever reason, or things things that that and you know that maybe they had a loved one that was terminally ill or something. Mm -hmm. And we've done a lot of stories where, as a result of that, people have donated and yeah. like some. Well, I did one with this lovely lady in Melbourne who whose husband was terminally ill and she was having this big fight with ANZ with the bank um, over mortgage repayments mm. and they were that's they were threatening to take her house and she was having to deal with so many things at once and she was just the most amazing lady and that came through in the story and then the, that night we just got so many people wanting mm. to donate money and, and do all of this sort of stuff and the next couple of days I got to go and kind of give her a cheque for like $90,000 pretty wow. much. So, and she was obviously over the moon and that kind of stuff was just the most amazing feeling and and I and I love that then there's been really fun stories about um I've got to go overseas a couple of times like mm. I went to Ireland for for a week um for a story what to it to interview Mark mm -hmm. Hamill from Star Wars and and all of that sort of stuff and that was I was there for St Patrick's Day and it was just mm. the funnest thing ever with a bunch of other mm -hmm. journos yeah. from around the world and and that was incredibly fun and then there's the stories where you just go and meet just like every day, you know, you meet everyday people who are just doing cool things. Mm. Like, like I had a story on Friday night about this sat banana salesman in Hampton, Hampton Park, this amazing like little guy that just basically sings about bananas all day <laughs> and people just love it and dance with him and it was $1 kilo bananas and all of that sort of stuff. And I just went out and, and you know, shop with him and, and the shop and, People were just so happy and dancing around and it was like the night, I just was smiling for like two hours out there. It was such a, and it was obviously, you know, a story about a banana salesman. It was not setting the world on fire, but it it, it just made, that fun, got me, really yeah, story. it made me like, like in, that was mm. a really enjoyable day. And mm. I thought the story came up well and it was just made you laugh and he was just what a champion that guy is and everyone was in a good mood and wanted us there and all of that sort of stuff. So it's just, yeah, they're the kinds of stories I really like. Um yeah, just, just, just those, yeah, fun, heartwarming kind of things. Mm. I love, I love those kinds of stories. So you pursue all those fun and um, normal, uh, not normal, like fun and exciting stories. Like that's your niche. Is that like if you were out there and you were looking for stories, those are the kind of stories that you'd be looking for. I yeah, definitely that. I, I quite like. Um, there are some reporters in our newsroom who are only do state politics for instance or mm. only do uh uh you know crime or that we've got a crime reporter and a court Niche. reporter yeah we yeah. call them rounds that's mm. their round um but i like i, I don't have one of those mm. so i can just which is technically general so you're a general reporter yeah. um so you get to do all those kind of fun little stories as well but then yeah. it also uh, other stories that i really like doing are um 
local council issues uh, when when maybe the council is, you know, wanting to close a playground for and redevelop it with apartments and there's community opposition to that. Like mm-hmm. we'll, I'll go and get the group, the community uh, members who are opposed to it together and we'll look at the issue. Lots of times with councils, they are, it's like a goldmine for stories because uh, there are so many councils and often they're doing things that are, uh, kind of don't pass the pub mm-hmm. test, I guess you'd say. So I love kind of those stories and stories that like are quite local but work on a bigger level because mm-hmm. uh, they're still relatable and people can sympathise with the residents who are getting screwed over or whatever. Um, so And it's sort of giving them a bit of a platform and a voice um, mm-hmm. and maybe putting a bit of pressure on the decision makers that are, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. then we obviously go to the council too and get their response. And but so I quite quite like those stories. Um, uh, yeah. So the local issue kind of stories are, are, are really good. Like they, even that banana man, he was kind of a local a local uh, you know little local hero, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. So so I like those, and that, and it's good, even though it is quite small. Um, they do work still in our news bulletin. It's sort of it's good to get to different suburbs and and kind of yeah people because like i said that those issues can sometimes be happening in lots of different councils mm. around melbourne and you just kind of it's still relatable like stories about <clears throat> bins and and all of that and people uh councils changing the changing the uh the time frame of when they pick them up and all mm. those sorts of things like i find that interesting anything that people are fired up about i like um and i also like doing state politics as well mm. i find that interesting and Crime is the one kind of round that I doesn't really do it for me. I think mm. sort of that can get I, I, that can get uh, it's a lot of kind of hunting for CCTV yeah. and dealing with people in distress and and it, you kind of people often don't want want you there and and well, it's such a dark place to go down when you yeah. have to look for those stories yeah. as well. You could take that home with you yeah. as well, presumably. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. and just yeah, definitely dealing with like grieving families and, and all of that and having to say, hi, can you go and give us an interview? Like, mm-hmm. and often sometimes, you know, it's, that's 50, 50, half the time they want to give an interview yeah. and, and, and it helps them feel a little bit better yeah. or, or, you know, pay tribute to someone they've lost or, but then the other half the time, it's like a very hard no. Yeah. You feel like an absolute, like scumbag, but uh, so I hate that, and and I just it just yeah. It, it, Have you had any experiences with that, uh, like a you know chasing a story that you think that took a toll on you? Yeah, bit? yeah. I think I had a um, at the end of my time at ACA, I mm. was there for about five years, and uh, I think I was kind of the because I was a young male reporter on that show. I was mm. kind of the one they would send out often yeah. to kind of you know get. Mm roughed up or whatever or get you know slammed in a door or whatever so that took a toll on me towards the end of that I thought this is just why am I doing this every day and it sort of uh the it sort of reached its peak when I I I was interviewing um Roberta Williams Mm. the uh the gangland widow in Melbourne and she just fired up just badly at a question that I asked uh in a kind of sit down format like this and she just saw red and started smashing things and grabbed me around the throat and threw my head against concrete and all of that. I just was like, this is just, yeah, this sucks. Like I did not like that. Mm. And I just thought, yeah, I don't want to work every day uh, with a fear that something like that might happen again. And so that was kind of the tipping point for me. And then I really was pushing to go to news after that. Um, which I was wanting that new opportunity anyway and a challenge, very different to mm. ACA. It's sort of more uh, sort of, yeah, day-to-day rather than we work on something for a few mm-hmm. weeks and it's sort of more sort of straight down the line rather than having to, you know, the stories are a minute 30 rather than yep. six minutes 30. So you kind of, mm. you're less of a character in them. Like in ACA, you were a character in your story basically. So then thankfully I was able to change over to uh, to news and it was a, a good change, even though the things I learned at ACA were, it was, it was an amazing place to work mm. for all those years, because like I said, there were those amazing stories about raise, helping people solve their problems and raising money for people and everything. And, and the style of journalism there it, it is you sort of often you have to 
you have you have something that maybe there isn't much vision for or there's not much to really say but you've mm. got to still fill maybe five minutes so you get really creative with how to tell the stories and some and, and some of the stories were so unique and just bizarre and mm. so fun like you're just like this is just I love that this sort of mm. we can tell these sorts of stories about things that are happening in around Melbourne and um so I had a lot it was an amazing time there but I was ready for a change and um yeah, and it came, well, it came, I moved over to News in right at the end of 2019 and headed straight to the bushfires uh, that were mm. sort of raging at that time, uh, early 2020. And then then COVID happened. So it was, that mm. was just like unbelievable. So it was a real sort of. Baptism. People forgot about those fires yeah. because it happened the same year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And remember the whole, all of Melbourne was kind of like shrouded in that. Oh, period. yeah. Smelled like smoke fog. every day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was we didn't crazy. get break. We didn't get no break after they was yeah. just immediately yeah. Yeah. COVID happened. Fires in Ooh, December, yeah. January, then March COVID was just right peak off. of COVID. Yeah. 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 It was unbelievable. And that COVID I couldn't the crazy thing with covering COVID mm. was it was the first time I'd covered something where it was actually directly affecting me. So mm. uh, just because it, it affected everyone. But it wasn't like for instance, the fires, yes, that was full on, but it's kind of like it wasn't my town that was threatened or anything. I was kind of sent there rather than, you know, it's happened, not, wasn't happening kind of on my doorstep. But then COVID, it was like, you, we sort of got the new red regular rules and, and mm-hmm. restrictions and stuff. And obviously kind of, you know, directly impacted mm-hmm. my life and, you know, every, everyone, my family's life and all of that sort of stuff. It was crazy. That COVID time, it was just surreal to be reporting then because mm-hmm. we, because that's it kind of the news became tv news i think our audience numbers quadrupled well, pretty much it was huge yeah you're this is why i wanted you on because you're one of those faces that i saw every day during those lockdown years and peak covid times yeah. it's yeah. sort of it's so bizarre because i'd never really sort of watched the news on a daily basis yeah. before covid happened but because it was so new to to us yeah it, and things were changing so and things were changing so quickly like when first happened you're like well what does the world look like now is this end times yeah. and yeah so you were having to watch the news every day to see what the new rules were going to be to see what the new case numbers were going to be yeah it was crazy oh it was nuts yeah, yeah. Uh, that was it was i i think there were two things that maybe really stuck out to me over mm. that time which i still think back to and i'm like i can't believe that happened but i remember when the curfew came into mm-hmm. place we kind of did a, you know, I, I did this, a six o'clock news cross pointing to the fact that in what, two hours, whatever it was, um, the curfew would be in place and mm. just standing there talking about a curfew, like what the, what the yeah, hell. Like, yeah. And then, mm. and then um, oh, I think we had like a countdown clock on our screen and all of that sort of stuff. And then we were able to stay out. Uh, we had the, mm, yeah. you know, when you had your papers so you could stay out. So we, and then for that late, late news that night, just standing in this absolutely empty street in, I think I was, it was in Northcote or something where I was, and just saying, yep, the curfew's now in place. Anyone who leaves needs, you know, faces huge fines so or whatever. So surreal. It was surreal. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, this, I can't believe I'm just standing here talking about this. Like, this mm. is crazy. Like, it was just, and then the, the, the other thing, which was like a something out of a movie, I remember those, I remember when the Flemington public, tower housing towers got shut down yep. and 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 everyone yeah. they couldn't none of the residents could leave and it was just horrendous and and i got sent out there and it was raining it was sort of i think it was like eight or nine o'clock and people were like screaming from their uh from their apartments and there was like kind of aid vehicles there with hampers passing them up and police and people mm. trying to escape and I was just like standing there and I thought this just feels like the end of the world this feels mm-hmm. like a science fiction movie yeah and you kind of just did a, yeah had to talk to the you know do your live cross talking about what was happening and it's just like this is nuts what has happened, happened yeah. yeah um what does that do to you when you go home after it's all, yeah. all done yeah it's it sort of yeah I, I I I think at the time you kind of just you know how you just accept things are yeah. kind of this is just how they are, but it's probably I kept thinking, oh, this is going to hit me later. Mm-hmm. I reckon like this is going, this is going to. I, th- I think it made me like angry a lot of the time. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I, and we covered a lot of stories of people who couldn't get across the border and their loved ones were dying, or that someone had couldn't get to a funeral or something, and it was just like so sad and made you just angry. And you're like, well, mm-hmm. and then you're like, well, why? 
could this happen but this couldn't happen or why is was this person allowed to cross why was this football team allowed to go up to Brisbane yeah. but this um, mother who just lost her son can't go up and whatever it was and it just I just felt angry mm-hmm. and I actually yeah I got um yeah I definitely that that was and then you go to the press conferences yeah, can't imagine no, yeah. because I mean, the rest of us have an option to switch off the news when yeah. it gets too much, but you're having to live with it yeah. every single day, which is insane. Yeah. And, yeah. and we're the viewers on a television. We're looking at a TV, but you were there firsthand. Mm. Like you can see everything live in front of you. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of toll on you yeah. as someone who's on the field and someone who's watching on a television. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was, I remember it was speaking of that anger and frustration because going to those um, daily Dan press conferences, mm. it was it was quite kind of that was quite frustrating in itself as well because, yes, he sort of had those press conferences every single day but you'd ask questions and often you didn't kind of get any kind of satisfactory mm. answer. So it was that was frustrating and, and it was just obviously the Premier do it. The thing is no one knew what they were doing at the, like at any at any level mm-hmm. in the country. Like no, it was everyone was winging it um, but it was, yeah, it was kind of frustrating especially when things kind of contradicted each other and, and you're sort of like, why, you know, why is this happening? And, but that isn't or whatever. So it was sort of like, it was hard. Um, but I was actually lucky, quite lucky to be able to still go out mm. and do things mm. like uh, that's why I, I thought it was a, like I wasn't in my apartment, you know, working from home stuck there. I, we, we, we were still, things were obviously not normal, but we would go up to like a Chuka and do a story about, some border issue up there mm-hmm. or we'd go to, you know, um, hospitals around. It's sort of you'd go out and yeah. still be able to do things. So I think I, yeah, I think I would prefer, I still would have preferred to have done that um, than to kind of be locked up mm-hmm. inside, I think. But mm-hmm. it still, and it, but it was, it was a bit of, it was a front row seat to that, to that horrible time. Um, and, and you kind of, explored every single element of it kills me sometimes when people say oh i wish we could go back into lockdown so i could have a break and blah 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 no it sucked it was bad for everyone and mums and dads who had to homeschool kids Mm -hmm. and like imagine imagine how like the newborn kids yeah they spent because if people don't realize this i'm not these are number these numbers are not precise because in 2021 i think out of 365 you spend maybe 250 ish mm. days in lockdown which is a lot which is mm. like 60 70 percent of the whole year yeah. sitting in a an apartment or a house that's yeah. not good for kids especially yeah exactly and then maybe and think of the sort of oldies as well who are lonely and yeah. can't visit their grandkids mm-hmm. or oh so there were so many horrible horrible things but um but yeah it was a it was no, and actually, and the th- I might add a third thing over that time, which was kind of the most affecting, uh, was that the because we had six lockdowns, mm. and every time we would do, it's looking like we're going to lockdown, and days and days of that, and then we're in lockdown and lockdown, and then we're finally getting out of lockdown, and people are happy, and and the pubs are starting to open again, but then you know, a couple of weeks later, mm. actually Still looking bad, yeah. so it was kind of like, oh no, this is happening again. We all mm. finally thought we were good, but now it's gone to crap again and you just could see the signs as well. Like I remember there was a, there was a uh, outbreak at a um, uh, school in the Western suburbs somewhere and it just, you kind of got the vibe like this is not, this is mm. bad. Um, and then within two days or something, we're in a, in a lockdown again and it's sort of like, oh, anyway, but hopefully it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you this. I don't know if it's getting political or not. But if you were one of the decision makers, what would you have done differently? Oh God, I have no idea. No. I was very, I'm very glad I wasn't one of the decision makers because it would have been, it would. No one, as you said, no one had any idea. What they yeah, were doing. everyone just winging it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think what was interesting towards the end when we're at the end of our lockdown six, and it was that was when things were starting mm. to really, um, people were just not following it, um, and kind of the frustration was was just people were like breaking i think mm. with with a lot of just 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 like just had had enough and that's when there were those awful um the, the tradies walking across right. the westgate oh, bridge yeah. and they felt like mm. we were on a tipping point of just the scales yeah were, yeah, yeah it was just must people were going enough, crazy yeah. um but yeah the and i think at that time there wasn't a lot of 
sympathy for people who were just like I remember I think people were had gathered at the beach to watch the sunset one night and I remember that became a people were kind of getting uh their you know finger wagging from the from the government over that like no it's not safe to do that and I just thought oh god people just need mm-hmm. something need something because it's they're going to just yeah people I never are at under- breaking point yeah. I never could understand why gyms and playgrounds were closed yeah we the playgrounds that. is just that was something yeah. that just felt when you walk down the street and there was just like crime scene tape on playgrounds <laughs> oh, I was mate, just like was, why yeah. But, yeah but I think um yeah it's I feel like as a city we've kind of grown stronger as a result of, mm. of of it all it just you feel like you just even just being at a restaurant or a pub now you're like this is just or being at a party mm. for instance you're like remember when this wasn't allowed like mm, felt yeah. like this would never happen again and now and and people are yeah feel like people the, it's all coming back to life mm. Top, it, ha- yeah. it absolutely has and melbourne international comedy festival oh, amazing. is full swing amazing i'm actually full of starting to lose my voice a little bit because i've done nothing but see comedy for the last yeah. three weeks it's so much <laughs> laughing yeah. yeah it's amazing to see get uh, our city back but i have a very interesting question have you spent most of your time reporting and as an individual in melbourne i yes i have yeah because i was in sydney uh, when i was in sydney i was producing most of the time so mm. i was behind the scenes and kind of doing writing for the news bulletins and um so yeah i was and and the job that opened up in Melbourne that I took was on air, my mm. first kind of reporting job. So, yeah, I was – this is where I've kind of been out and about the most and mm. meeting uh, – I was just saying to someone the other day, I reckon I've been to every single suburb in Melbourne, I think, mm. like literally every suburb, maybe at least once. So, yeah, yeah, this is – I feel like I've been out and about in Melbourne reporting now. I feel like I know her really well and love it um, and it's way better than Sydney. I uh, <laughs> seriously, and I'm from Newcastle originally, so I am um, a New South Wales person. But Melbourne is. The I bomb. ask you this because I want to know what do you think sets Melbourne apart from all the other cities? I think it's uh, so. When I moved down from Sydney, I thought, oh, how different can Melbourne mm. be? Right, like it's just a city's a city. Surely it's just the same. But within the first like three months, I thought this is way better. I always struggle to articulate it about mm. why I think it's better, but I think it's. I love the um, bars and restaurants and mm. the nightlife and the festivals and things that happen mm-hmm. here. I just think they they are way better than similar things in Sydney. Mm. Um, and I was in Sydney when there was lock, lockout laws and mm. their nightlife was really struggling and kind of felt just like it wasn't a fun place to be mm. a lot of the time. But I think, yeah, I think people, it's easier to have a chat with people in Melbourne while you're out at the pub or it's sort of people mm. definitely feel friendlier. I know everyone kind of mm. says that, but I just genuinely think that's the case. I don't know. It, maybe it's because Sydney seems so, there are like pockets in Sydney, right, mm. like the eastern suburbs and you sort of stay in that little pocket and or the inner west or whatever. It's sort of hard to mm-hmm. get around a little bit. But Melbourne seems a bit more kind of, <clears throat> kind of, uh, connected, yeah. yeah, yeah, because all the yeah. suburbs are connected to the yeah. city, and everyone's in city, and all yeah, that so easy. Mm. Yeah, how good is it going out in the city in Melbourne, yeah. and it's just busy and mm. awesome, and and lots of things to do. Whereas I reckon you go out in Sydney a lot of the time, and it's it, the, the CBD just feels really dead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think I just I just love Melbourne, and I love I love it so much. I think it has to. Uh, we don't have the, you know, gorgeous harbour or the bridge or opera house or whatever. But we have amazing events like the comedy mm. festival and um, when the tennis is on and all of that sort of stuff. It yeah. just brings the city to life so much and it just never stops. I'm exhausted. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me let me switch this. Um, when you were reporting and when you were you know growing as a as a as a journalist as a news reporter, what did you go? Did you do any courses, or how did you train yourself to become better at your job as a as an interviewer? Because I think that's what we're doing here as well, and we could learn that from you. I think you just have to um, do it. Just keep mm. doing it again and again, mm. and uh, and that's how you get better at it. Like I think yeah. the with courses and stuff for journalism, I think a lot of the time it feels a little bit like how do you kind of teach it? Yeah. Like it's just kind of. Is it like a cookie cutter thing? Would you say those courses are just like it's like a syllabus, books, and it's all. Yeah, I feel like yeah. What are they kind of going to say? Just ask interesting questions, or uh, sort of yeah. I think you just have to get better at it. 
it's by like doing it, it. Yeah, by doing it. I remember mm. when I first wrote, I was working, I did like a little bit of work reporting in uh, on the Central Coast in New South Wales and it was my first on-air kind of writing a script and stuff. And I remember thinking, I can't write this script. Mm. How could I ever be able to write a script? I, I'd, I'd sort of, I thought I was a good writer, but I just was staring at the computer thinking, I can't. But now it's now it just it feels like second nature, nature sort of because yeah. I've just done it. I think I think with uh, interviews, um, it, it's all about uh, just just letting people talk um, and not yeah. kind of cutting them off, and mm. and then not kind of preparing too many kind of pre-prepared questions mm. because that how does that work when you it's, don't know what they're going to say? It's really exactly it's really hard to prepare for a podcast because. Yeah. yeah, you may have a list of questions or topics that you want to get to, but mm. you can't really script a, a conversation. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you really just have to let it breathe. It's like, yeah, exactly. And it kills me as well when people, when I arrange <coughs> to interview someone and they send me questions, they send me like mm. an email saying, can you send me what questions you're planning on asking? Mm. And it's like, yeah. this is, that's the worst thing you can do because yeah. it sucks for both of us because if you have then just memorised all these questions... Yeah. That, uh, all these answers to these questions yeah. you think I'm going to ask, it's just lame. It doesn't come across yeah. as real. Like mm. I organised an interview with someone this week and and just a you know a regular person and they said to me, oh, I haven't got any media <coughs> training though. And mm. I'm like, no, I don't want you to have media training. <laughs> like just yeah. be mm. a normal person, talk normally. Like well, that's all we need. If you have a list of questions, you're not really listening to the person's yes, answer. Exactly. You want to have, <laughs> you know, mm. you, you you don't know what they're going to say, so you yeah. you want to listen to what they're going to say, so you have something to ask, uh, yeah, ask, yeah. you know, that from something they just said. Yeah, and there there have been times yeah. where uh, maybe someone else has asked gone and asked kind of questions on my behalf or something in an interview, and I've listened back to it, and you can see you can hear the talent sort of saying something really interesting mm. and maybe even like getting emotional yeah. or, or you're sort of like, wow, and then the person has just asked the next pre-prepared question. Exactly. It's like, oh, my God, you've just yeah. wasted this really good opportunity to kind of mm. get into the premise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So it's just like like listening. And you, when you hear people, uh, yeah, talking after answering your questions, you can kind of get a vibe of what sort of pushes their buttons mm. in terms of what, you know, gets you'll get the most out of them if you sort of focus on that topic and, yeah, it's kind of just listening to them and uh, and I always, my one of my techniques is I ask, if someone's a little bit nervous, uh, mm. uh, I ask a couple of kind of warm-up questions first, ones that uh, I probably won't use, mm. like the answers to, but it just gets them so, relaxes them a little mm -hmm. bit. And then by the time they're relaxed and 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 finding it a bit more comfortable, mm -hmm. then you ask the questions you want to mm -hmm. you you actually want to ask. And by that stage, they've warmed up to the point where they're not kind of like awkward or or they're kind of feeling a bit more comfortable, and they give you some great stuff mm -hmm. rather than kind of right straight away. And they're kind of stumbling a little bit and a little bit nervous, and mm -hmm. you kind of just don't get anything usable. True. Um, did you initially? struggle with the fear of asking what to ask the next question when the when a premise is over yeah sometimes i've struggled yeah. with that how do, how do you merge onto the next thing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I sort of um i think people just get it if you sort of sometimes i'm like oh okay what am i asking next what am i asking like i just i, I don't <clears throat> people don't mind if you you kind take of a break have a bit of a break and have mm. a think like like that's that's fine mm. and often my questions like if you listen to them back um you know i've sort of stumbled over them and sometimes they don't make a whole lot of sense and all of that sort of stuff. And you just sort of, it, you can be relaxed about it. I think probably not so much in this capacity where all your questions are all getting used mm -hmm. and, and, and everything, but when it's just sort of recording it for a TV news mm -hmm. story, I kind of wing it a lot of the time. Hmm. Um, but yeah, sometimes if I can't think of what to say next, I kind of, yeah, have to, um, yeah, take a little bit of a break. Because yeah. the worst, case, worst thing is when you just finish the interview and you're like, oh shit, like I could have, asked mm, I forgot to ask this yeah, like, what yeah. an idiot. Um, uh, so you don't want that to happen mm -hmm. but I think that makes you a bit authentic <clears throat> and natural as well it makes you human like people can connect with you like oh okay I mean yeah. you know sort yeah. of a tr it builds a trust uh, in the in the interviewee yeah I agree yeah yeah mm. it's sort of like it's good to be a bit relaxed well so what do you think in the social media and AI coming up do you mm. think that all of this would affect 
the traditional media and news, do you think? Yeah, I think it's surely going to have an impact. It's a bit scary, like, to see mm. the to see how good some of those, like, AI bot things are, but they're spurting out story-wise. How much experience have you had with AI? Not a lot. Not, not a lot? lot? Nah, no. Mm. My, okay. um, my friend was actually this morning sending me AI stories of he'd give the AI thing like three d- different little dot points and say, mm. tell me a story about this. And it wrote this amazing like it did. thing that, you know, could have been, it kind of ha- like it didn't have a personality. It was still felt like a very generic. Robotic. Yes, yeah, yeah, but, it does. but yes. it's amazing. And I know I think places like LinkedIn, a lot of their internal uh, kind of messaging now is written by um, that AI yeah. systems and mm. stuff. So it's going to change lots of things, I think. Mm. Um, maybe not as much TV stuff, but um, definitely kind of like uh, online articles. And mm. but then, but it gets things wrong. We've seen a lot of the time it as does. well. Um, and it definitely could never replace kind of lived experience, which comes through a lot mm. in writing. Like it's so nice when you read a beautiful story about someone's trip away or like a restaurant review or something and it's just got so much personality. Well, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a writer as well. I love writing. So when I see those AI-generated um, <laughs> stories, I can immediately tell um, that it's inauthentic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it feels like a robot wrote this. Exactly, yeah. 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 And it's, yeah, so hopefully it doesn't go, hopefully we don't just get used to that and that's just yeah. something that, well, I think it sort of stifles creativity as Definitely. well if we're just relying on AI. Because <laughs> how, like, it's yeah. hard to write something good. It, it like, is. Like, it's like, yeah. that's the reason why um, not everyone can do it. Like, mm. it's, you need the practice and the, yeah, it, it's it's hard to write something that people enjoy reading. Mm. And, and, yeah, so, yeah, hopefully these computers just go away. Well, they won't, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I've been doing some, well, not research, but I've been trying to get informed on this wave of ChatGBT. Yeah. Because ChatGBT 3 and now ChatGPT 4, I don't think it's allowed to public yet. It's not open to public yet, mm-hmm. but it's it's apparently supposed to be 100 times smarter than ChatGPT wow. 3. So every time this evolves, it's going to get to a supernatural level of intelligence. Yeah. And, and now what ChatGPT 4 is doing is that Someone asked ChatGPT4 to order something from Amazon or whatever it is. Yeah. And th- this is what ChatGPT did. It got stuck at the level where you have to click and tell that you're not a robot. Oh, okay. <laughs> ChatGPT4 found someone on online, oh my God. paid them yeah. to go through that step. And the person was asking ChatGPT, like, why do you want to... Uh, why do you want me to go through this process? And it just made some answers and it actually ended up doing it. Wow. So it's up to that level. And I think that's very scary. And um, I've been looking for, I've been talking to them. And I said, I want someone who's like fully fledged into this AI. I want some, I want to have someone here and I want to talk to them. Yeah. But I'm, um, I'm very interested and I'm very excited for this. It could be scary, 100%, mm. but I'm very excited for this as well. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. Because that's I've fascinating. always believed that technology is an enabler. It's a tool. Yeah. Um, no doubt there will be always be more um, respect and uh, novelty in authenticity and, you know, something that's done by hand. Yeah. But given that AI, I think it would definitely help us um, as well. Yeah. We will see. We'll see. Yeah. But now, given that you're 10 years in your career, what does future hold for you? Um, I'd love to, uh, my dream's always been to be a foreign correspondent overseas. Mm. Uh, and LA, we have an LA office and LA kind of covers obviously North America and um, LA and London is all of Europe. Um, so that is a very sort of competitive uh, position to 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 get so it's hard difficult to get um so that would be that was that would that was the dream um so hopefully that's something that happens maybe in the next few years um keep pushing for it uh but that would just be i think with a lot of other news organizations like cnn or Mm. al jazeera or whatever it is they have many many reporters covering covering you know international issues but we could we only have i think it's two or three reporters in each bureau so in london and then la so you just basically get guaranteed the biggest stories in the world Mm. at the time Mm. because it's a smaller team um and you'd get to go and cover them for the obviously for australian audiences online um so that would be amazing 
and then after that, I don't know that I'll just see, see what happens. But that's that once I, I feel like I've, t- I'd rather do that for instance, than mm. be a newsreader or like be mm. in the studio all the time or that I'd rather, my goal is to yeah go overseas and, and report. Actually be in the story rather yeah. than reporting it from a desk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so much more interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know what I feel being a news reporter, there's a lot of information. That's a lot of, it is a lot of information that's flowing through your head and Mm. you're keeping a track of it. What do you do to switch off from the world? Uh, I love reading Mm. a lot. I read uh, books, um, fiction books all all the time. I I think that's just a really nice way to, that's the definition of switching off because I, I, because you're reading, unlike watching a TV show where you can like still look at your phone Mm -hmm. You're just reading this book and you can't or taking up all your attention basically mm. so i love doing that um seeing my hanging out with my friends like i feel like especially after covid i feel like i've become a really sort of i'm a really social person so i like just going and having a drink at the pub with them um as much as possible mm. that's a really good way to switch off um and and i get an exercise like going for runs or to the gym they're my key sort of three main things i guess i would do to kind of switch off because mm. um, you just sometimes you just yeah so you need over you it. need to turn mm. yourself off yeah you know. yeah definitely um, I'm also really interested in news so I like reading the um, papers and the websites and everything um, and I but then sometimes I find myself like on my day off for instance mm. I, I I've been just looking at my phone for like an hour just reading news articles and and I'm like why am I doing this I should just be not yeah. doing this because <laughs> I need to go and do something different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's there. My any need to decompress, otherwise it can just get too, too much. much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I've got one last question before we wrap this up. Um, I think we did glaze over this initially, but ten years, eleven years of doing this. If you could go back, well, if there's a person who's looking up to you right now, if you could just liquidate, give them a liquid gold of uh, advice that what you've learned, if you can compress that, what would what would that be? I think I would say um, just have always have a go, have like have a crack at at at, at things. Put your hand up for things. Um, be be interested and enthusiastic, and and always ask lots of questions. Preferably good questions, not dumb questions. Mm. Um, but there's no you know there's no such thing I guess as a dumb, dumb question. question. But just be just yeah be interested and and passionate and enthusiastic about about the job and if you're not that then maybe there's a problem there Mm. if you're not passionate about it it might not be the job for you because it's the kind of job you want to be passionate about otherwise it can suck Mm. um and i think if you're all those things it will shine through and people superiors will recognize that Mm -hmm. and be willing to give you a chance and and um and you'll get you'll get there 100 percent okay Look, Reid, really pre- we really appreciate you coming here and it was really fun to have a chat with you, man. Oh, thank you. And uh, we wish you really best uh, for, your, for your future and uh, hope we could have you on again sometimes. Yeah, no and uh, thanks for being here, man. Thank, thank you. you so much. It was a pleasure. Really appreciate it. Thank All you. right, let's wrap this up. Thank you.